Welcome to the Comic Web's Old Time Radio Podcast. Each week we feature an episode from the golden years of radio. The Comic Web sells old time radio programs, comic books, and more. Check us out at comicweb.com. You'll get some of my brief commentary after the episode. This week we have the program Let's Pretend, and the episode is King Arthur. Arthur today. So, Gwen, whose turn is to say how we travel to Let's Pretend? Oh, Bill Lipton hasn't said for a long time. Well, if we're going back more than a thousand years to the days of King Arthur, we'll have to travel fast. I choose a jet plane. Oh, a jet plane it is, Bill. Okay, one, two, three. And there we are. Into the cabin, everybody. Fasten your safety harness and oxygen mask at the ready. Let's go. Once upon a time, a thousand years ago and more, England had a wonderful king named Arthur. His story begins when his father, King Uther Pendragon, whose first wife was dead, fell in love with the queen of a nearby kingdom. But there was one difficulty after another, and finally, Uther Pendragon had to get help from his court magician, Merlin. You will help me, Merlin. Come, travel with me at once. I may have need of all your magic arts. I will, my lord king, on one condition. A condition? I am Uther Pendragon, king of England. I am unaccustomed to conditions. True. And I am Merlin, wisest of wizards, advisor, protector, and seer of the future. Without me, how do you think you would have fared against the Celts? Without me... Your pardon, Merlin. I... I forgot myself. You have a condition for helping me. What is it? When, with my help... You have won this queen and are happily married. You will have at last a son. A son? A son to take over the throne when I am gone? Merlin, is it true? It will be so, my lord. And I ask that as soon as he is born, you deliver this boy child to me to rear as I see fit. Deliver him to you? But, Merlin, for years I've dreamed of a son. There will be many who wish harm to a new heir to the throne. Your daughter, Morgan Le Fay, whom I myself taught magic, knows dangerous enchantments. Morgan Le Fay? But the babe would be her own half-brother. Aye, but would that stop Morgan Le Fay? Do not let her beauty or your father's heart blind you to Morgan's schemes and hopes, Uther. She would be the next ruler of England. But she must know that cannot be. England must have a strong warrior king. Then give me the son who will be born. I... Very well, Merlin. It is a promise. Now can we write at once? And so it happened as Merlin foretold. 
Uther Pendragon was married, and a boy child was born. And the king, true to his promise, bound the child in cloth of gold and bade one of the court ladies take the child in secrecy to the postern gate at night. Someone will be waiting, but where? Oh, shh, hush now. Poor Lan, it's a strange way to treat a little prince. All right, my lady. What? You may give the child to me now. But you look like no more than a beggar. I am the one who is to receive him. Your mercy, madam. And hand him to me. Well, oh, here, be careful. Quiet now, young Arthur, quiet. What? What did you call him? I called him by his name. But he has no name yet. He has not been christened. He will be soon christened Arthur. And now you will forget this whole matter. Good night, my lady. And so it was that Merlin carried the baby prince off into the night. Rode with him over hill, over dale, till at last he halted by a castle gate and rang the great bell that hung above it. When he heard someone coming, he laid the baby by the gate and rode away. And that was how young Arthur came to be raised by a good knight named Sir Ector along with Sir Ector's only son, a lad named Sir Kay. And so the years passed, and no one knew Arthur's kingly heritage but the magician Merlin. And then came a day when Uther Pendragon lay sick unto death in his castle at Camelot. All the lords and ladies of the court were sorrowing. But in a small room, the king's daughter, Morgan Le Fay, talked with a knight named Sir Accalon. Soon, soon now it will start. As soon as my father dies, a dozen nobles will claim the throne. The throne and crown that should be mine. Aye, why should it not belong to Uther's own daughter, Morgan Le Fay? Hear me now, Sir Accalon. I vow one day I shall be queen. Oh, my lady, you think it possible? You think Pledge you're... it with me, Sir Accalon. Pledge your fighting strength to me, and I promise when I am queen, you shall be the most powerful knight in the realm. Long since I pledged myself your knight, Morgan Le Fay. Well, then. Who's that? Who knocks? It is I, Merlin. Merlin? Peace. There's nothing to fear from him. Come in. My lady. Oh, and Sir Accalon, I bid you to the king's chamber at once. He names his heir. Huh? Names his heir, does he? Aye. And it will be well for you to hear it from the king's own lips, Morgan Le Fay. Come. Lords and ladies all, the king is sinking fast. Pray for his soul. My lord archbishop, has he spoken yet? Has he named his heir? He thinks no longer of earthly things, Merlin. Stand back, fall to your knees. Your pardon, your grace, but he must speak. Uther, Uther Pendragon. Merlin, old friend, Merlin. Name him now, the next ruler of England, your son, Arthur. What does Merlin say to my father? The next ruler of England, my son, Arthur. Oh, 
My lords, ladies, enough. Your king, Uthip and Dragon, lives no more. May God receive his soul. Aye, God receive his soul. And we will deal with this talk of Arthur later. Merlin, thanks be to heaven you've come at last. I came as soon as your message reached me, Lord Archbishop. How may I serve you? Tell me, was it some witchcraft of yours when the king spoke of a son named Arthur? It was no witchcraft, your grace, but the simple truth. Uther Pendragon's son is a full-grown lad of 16 now. Strong, brave, and handsome. And a fit heir to the crown. Where is he, then? Why does he not come forward and end the outcries and tumult? Half the nobles of England claim the throne, and Morgan Le Fay schemes day and night. Your grace, the country is indeed in a tumult, such a tumult, that even should I bring forward the lad, how many would take my word that he is Uther's son? Aye, aye, you are right, Merlin. How would anything, short of a sign from heaven, convince the quarreling nobles that one lad above all others should be their king? Your grace, there will be a sign from heaven. What? What are you saying, wizard? Long ago, I saw it in the crystal that foreshadows the future, Your Grace. There will be a sign from heaven to convince all. Arthur is our king. Saints' mercy! What was that? Your Grace, Your Grace, look out in the churchyard. Look what has suddenly appeared. Why, a great stone stands there, and on it, an anvil. And thrust into the anvil. A sword. And look, Your Grace. There is writing. Come. Come, Merlin. Let us see at once what it says. Yes, yes. But this is the sign. I'm sure of it. The naked sword stands upright by its point in the anvil and... Merlin. See what it says in letters of gold. Whoso pulleth out this sword from this anvil... Is rightwise king born of England. And so, as the news of the sword and the anvil passed among the people, knights came from far and near to try to pull it forth. Now I shall say it. Enough, you cannot stir it. My turn. King of England, forsooth, why does it not read Queen? Well, Sir Acalon, would you be king and have me for your queen? Then do you essay the sword. For you, Morgan Le Fay, I can but try. Oh. Try once more. I... Failed me, Acalon. Yet I will not be defeated. I shall be queen. <laughs> Now did shouting and confusion rise again when it seemed no one could move the sword. So finally Merlin suggested a great tournament to take everyone's mind from their quarreling for a while. Word of the tournament went out across the country, and among those who came riding to Camelot were Sir Ector, his son Sir Kay, and his foster son, Arthur. <laughs> You're right eagerly, Arthur. 
You look forward to your first tournament? Oh, I do indeed, Father. Methinks nothing could be more splendid than to be a brave knight. Valiant in tournament, riding forth on adventure. No reason why you should not achieve your ambition, Arthur, and ride forth on adventure all your life. Now, by all that's evil. Why, Kay, what's amiss? Look, Father. Only look at the sword that I brought in my haste. The old blunted one with no edge at all. Oh, how can I enter the tournament with this? So, that is indeed bad fortune, my son. I can hardly lend you mine. What can be done? Arthur, good brother, you would not mind, would you? Riding home to the castle and fetching me my good sword. All the way back to the castle, Kay. Ride swiftly and you can return before the tournament's more than started. Please, brother Arthur. All right, Kay, of course. Round you go, Blaze. That's right. I'll try not to be too long, Kay. Uh, my thanks to you, Arthur. We will meet at the tournament, son. It's not that I begrudge the errand. But if there were only someplace nearer where I could find a sword for Kay. Wait. What is that? Ho, Blaze, ho! Out there in the churchyard. That sword thrust into the stone. And all those who got it have gone to the tournament. Well, I can at least try. <laughs> Brother Kay! Kay, here I am. Ah, it's Arthur. Indeed, he's come swiftly. Ho, Blaze! Ho! Here, Kay, a sword. Not your own, I grant you, but perhaps it will serve you as well. Oh, my thanks to you, Arthur. I... This sword. I've seen this sword. My father! Oh, father! Ah, Kay, you have your sword now. Behold! have the sword from the stone. But, but let me see. It is indeed the sword from the stone. And Arthur brought it to me, Father. Arthur? Why, it is true, Father. I thought myself on the way home how much simpler to take that sword if I could, and on trying it, it came out easily in my hand. It came out easily in your hand? Then you... You! No, wait. We shall assemble all the court and ride back to the anvil in the churchyard and set the sword in it again. Then... If you can draw it forth in the sight of all, you, Arthur, whom I have raised as son, shall be henceforth my own liege lord and king. Lords, lords and ladies, attend me, attend me now. The sword is firmly in the anvil again. Now shall Arthur, foster son of Sir Ector, essay to remove it. Go forth, Arthur. Yes, step forward now. Grasp the handle. He draws it forth with ease. Wherefore he is, as the anvil says, king, born of England, Arthur, son of Uther Pendragon. It is God's will. Long live the king. King Arthur now, and all kneel before him. Oh, it cannot be borne. You spoke, Morgan Le Fay? Huh? Aye, I spoke, Sir Accolon. Methinks fair words would better serve my purpose for a while than hard ones. Wherefore, Arthur, Morgan Le Fay would do homage on bended knee. Accept now my loyalty, Arthur. Born my brother, 
and my king. As the wizard Merlin foretold, Arthur, son of Uther Pendragon, has become king of England. And all have come to love him, all save one. But in vain does the wise old Merlin try to warn Arthur against his half-sister, the enchantress Morgan Le Fay. Nay, Merlin, this one time you are wrong. Morgan Le Fay does not hate me. Why, time and again she has shown her sister the affection. It is a trick, sire, to lull your suspicions. Then when you fear nothing, she will strike. I tell you, sire, she wants the crown. Merlin, how can you read such evil into one so beautiful and clever? Because I know her. Because I myself taught her magic. Well, now, come. Let us speak no more of her. There is something I would show you in the great hall, Merlin. Will you come? Of a certainty, sire. And then there is somewhere I would have you go with me. If you will not heed me, you need other protection. Yes, yes, but now look, Merlin. Look into the great hall. Why, all that's holy. The huge round table that neither fills the hall. Ringed around with seats. How many, my lord? There are 150 seats around the round table, Merlin. 150. And what sort of gathering do you plan, sire, to provide such a table and so many seats? Merlin, all I have ever asked of life was to be a knight riding out an adventure. It was God's will that I should become king instead. So here I shall gather all the bravest, boldest knights of the world. Is it not a good plan? It is a wondrous plan indeed, my lord. Now look, in letters of gold on every seat will be the name of the knight whose chair it is. You see, here is Sir Lancelot's seat. He who rides forth with me tomorrow to bring back the fair Guinevere. You, you plan to leave so soon to fetch the Lady Guinevere? Merlin, since first I saw her at the Feast of Pentecost, I have dreamed of making her my bride. Why should I not go soon? No reason, my lord. Not if you will come with me at once on that errand of which I spoke. Come, let us saddle our horses. I will tell you as you ride. This is what I would speak to you of, sire. Ever since you left the sword you drew from the stone at the church as a symbol of your reign, it has concerned me that you have no unfailing sword by your side. Ah, here we are by the lake. Let us draw rein, sire. Oh, oh. What is our errand here, Merlin? It is a lovely lake, surely. Wait. I... I speak for Arthur, son of Uther, king of England, who speaks for the lake. By all the saints, look. Out in the center of the lake, a great arm has risen from the water. Holding? Holding a sword. Aye, but now look closer to the shore. See who rises from the water there and walks towards us. A fair damsel all in white. I am the lady of the lake. And the fair sword yonder is yours, Arthur. If you promise me one favor in exchange. One favor? Only name it, my lady. In my own time, I shall name it. Only beware of any who may come falsely in my name demanding it. That I will. Then row forth now on that barge yonder and take your sword, Excalibur, so long as it is in your hand. No one can prevail against you. And so Arthur received the great sword Excalibur. 
And when Morgan Le Fay saw it that evening at the castle, a sudden plan was born in her heart. She called Sir Accalon to her secretly and prevailed upon him to do as she bid him. And so shortly... Oh, come, sire. Delay your journey to get Guinevere by a day only. And we shall have such a hunt as comes only rarely. But you say it was a pure white deer you saw in the forest, Accalon? Well, truly, that is a wondrous sight. And it will be a wondrous hunt as well. I'll come questing after him with me tomorrow, sire. And with Excalibur in your hand, the white deer may be your prize. Well, I... All right. Tomorrow, the quest of the white deer. And so, as Morgan Le Fay had told him to do, Sir Accalon lured King Arthur into the forest. Deeper and deeper they went, and there was no sight of the deer. But suddenly, they found themselves near a remote lake, and beside the lake was a bright canvas pavilion. Hello there. Hola. The pavilion seems utterly deserted, Akala. Ah, uh, it does indeed, sire. Oh, no. Easy, boy. But look, there's food on the table there and wine. Are you as hungry as I, Akalon? Oh, surely no knight would begrudge his king a supper from his table. Well, come, let us dismount then, Akalon. And take advantage of this miracle. And so King Arthur and Sir Akalon ate and drank. And almost at once they both fell into a heavy slumber. For the food and drink had been enchanted by Morgan Le Fay, who had gone on before them by her magic. And so soon as they lay there asleep, she appeared again and took Arthur's sword Excalibur and buckled it on Sir Accalon. And to Arthur, she gave a false copy of Excalibur. And anon, Arthur awoke, and he was alone. But where... Where is Accolon? Where has he betaken himself? Truly, I, I feel a curious numbness. And there is a weird sense of mystery over all this place. Well, come, I must mount and ride hence and find Akala. No, Arthur. Go not yet. Great heavens, rising from the lake, that figure. You promised me one boon, Arthur, in exchange for the sword Excalibur. I promised the lady of the lake. But are you she? You look like her, but your voice... Doubt me not, Arthur. Or would you refuse the favor you promised? No, no, not that. Of course I would. Then hear me. This bright pavilion by which you have rested belongs to an evil knight who wishes me harm. Fight him for me, Arthur, when he rides from the forest. That is all I ask. That food and drink were drugged. If I could be sure you were the Lady of the Lake. You would forswear your promise. No, I tell you, I would not. Look! He comes even now. Quickly, sire. Your helmet on your head. Yes, yes, that's right. I hear. Here he leaps on his horse. He charges towards you, sword held high. Very well, if he demands a fight. That's you, knight on guard. <laughs> a brave Arthur. <laughs> what is amiss with this sword? It's kind of a witness your keen edge or something. <laughs> He's wounded. It is evil magic at work. This is not Excalibur. And you, Sir Knight, whoever you are, you have my sword. Look out, I come at you barehanded. Mercy! Mercy! Excalibur! Now I have you in my hand. Prepare to die, you traitorous knight who would turn my own sword against me. 
Lift up your helmet and let me see your face. Akalon. Yes, sire. Sire, please kill me. Akalon. It was you who fought me? Yes, sire, with your own sword. Given me by Morgan Le Fay. Fool! Do you betray me now? Morgan Le Fay. It is Morgan Le Fay who's behind all this evil business. This damsel who calls herself the Lady of the Lake. Where is she? She's vanished. Aye, when she saw you had your own sword back again, she vanished by her accursed magic. Ah, truly, sire, Morgan Le Fay has had me bewitched for years. That I could charge against my liege lord and king. Morgan Le Fay. Well, then Merlin was right. She does wish me evil. Sire, you're wounded, and you said not. Wounded by my hand. It is but a scratch, not serious. No, Arthur. A blessing, rather. Merlin! Wounded by Excalibur. It is your sword truly now, sire. Merlin, how came you here? Surely I, who taught that evil enchantress her magic, can appear and vanish as easily as she. And now I am heartily glad she has done her worst and open your eyes at last, my lord. Oh, Lefay, my own half-sister, Merlin, the knowledge is more bitter than the wound. Would that you would kill me, sire, for giving it to and you. if I kill you, what? Does that wipe out Morgan Lefay's hatred? Does it right any wrong? No, I will not kill you, Akalon. Sire, hear me now. There is evil in the world, as well as good. To be a great king, you must know this. You must learn to face evil and punish it, as you will punish Morgan Lefay. And then you must turn your face to the sun again. Turn it to the sun? Aye. Turn your face to Camelot now, my lord. Think of the round table you have established there. And the knights who will ride forth in your name. To right wrong everywhere. Aye. The round table. And tomorrow I ride forth for Guinevere. Yes, my lord. For your most splendid days still lie ahead. Well, what Merlin said was true, you know. King Arthur's greatest days did still lie ahead. And from his round table, dozens of knights rode forth on dozens of wonderful adventures. Sometime, we'll tell you of their deeds, Sir Launcelot, Sir Galahad, and the rest. But in today's story of King Arthur and how he won his sword... The pretenders were Uther Pendragon, Bill Lipton, Merlin, Michael O'Day, Arthur, Bob Reddick, Morgan Le Fay, Miriam Wolfe, Acalon, Jack Rhymes, the Archbishop, Roger Sullivan, Sir Hector, Arthur Anderson, Sir Kay, James Lee, the Lady of the Lake, Sybil Trent, and the Lady in Waiting, Gwen Davies. The original music was composed and conducted by Maurice Brown. Let's Pretend is directed by Gene Height. And today's story was written especially for this program by Johanna Johnson. And remember, Let's Pretend comes to you from New York City. So if you live nearby, do come to see a broadcast some Saturday. Just write for free tickets to CBS Radio, New York City. This is Bill Adams saying, remember to eat cream of wheat, the great American family cereal. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Hello, Pretenders. The program Let's Pretend first aired in 1934 as a spinoff of The Adventures of Helen and Mary. Nyla Mack, the creative force behind Let's Pretend, had worked on The Adventures of Helen and Mary, but when she got a chance to create her own show, she took it and left Helen and Mary in the dust. 
all right, I have no idea if there was any animosity in the split, but let's pretend became a huge success and nobody's ever heard of Helen and Mary. Let's pretend became Nyla Mack's personal vision with stories inspired by classic folk tales and fairy tales. The show was, substanti was substantially lauded as one of the most outstanding children's radio programs, eventually garnering nearly 50 national awards, including a Peabody Award. Broadcast before an audience filled with children, the show would, be, would begin with Uncle Bill Adams's greeting of Hello, Pretenders. After receiving his response of Hello, Uncle Bill from the enthusiastic children, Adams would ask his, his audience how they would like to travel to Let's Pretend. Amid sh shouts of suggestions from the children, the show would launch into a story with the sounds of the chosen transportation. Nyla Mack's genius, which included her original holiday stories, was also in choosing her cast, many of whom went on to substantial careers in radio, TV, theater, and film. They included Rosalind Cyber, who sub subsequently played Rosalie on the Goldbergs, Jack Grimes, who was in this episode, later appeared in 49 episodes of the CBS Radio Mystery Theater, and played Jimmy Olsen in the 1960s revivals of the s television Superman shows, and Billy Halep, one of the original Dead End Kids. Nyla Mack died in January of 1953. For the last two years of the show, which ended in October of 1954, the much-coveted Nyla Mack Award was presented to the show's Outstanding Actor of the Year. And now, kids, it's time for a Comic Web Radio Secret Society code. 23, 28, 27, 17, 22, 6, 28. Just enter this code at www.comicweb.com slash secretsociety.htm. Deciphering the code will give you all the benefits of membership in the Comic Web Radio Secret Society. Benefits include more free episodes, fun facts, a certificate of membership, and you get 15% off any order from the Comic Web. Just use the word on checkout where we ask for a coupon code. The code again is 23 28 27 17 22 6 28. As a housekeeping note for the Comic Web, just this week we added a new feature for our old-time radio programs. Previously, we only sold o OTR on CDs, but now you can buy a DVD and choose six CDs worth of programs to put on the DVD. You would appreciate this feature a whole lot more if you knew just how many freaking hours it took to allow this to happen. If you thought computers reduced repetitive tasks, you never had to do this. Anyway, the DVD is priced at $20, which brings the cost of each CD, each CD's worth of episodes, to only $3.33. So you get a great price and only one disc. If you, if you have any comments on how to improve our podcast, please send an email to us or fill out the survey on our website. Our email is editor at comicweb.com, and we would appreciate anyone leaving reviews of the podcast on iTunes or anywhere else. Thanks, and have a good week.